I am your host, Mary Beth Smith. This is episode 68 with my very special guest, Graham Elwood. Graham is an LA-based stand-up comedian, podcaster, documentarian, etc. And he was in the Chicago area for some shows at Zany's in Rosemont and was kind enough to come to my place of work to sit down for an episode with me. Um, it all started back in May when I went to the Zanies in Chicago for, um, an open invitation they had to anyone who wanted to come to do an interview for their, uh, podcasting documentary that uh, Graham is directing called Earbuds. It was funded via Kickstarter back in February and uh, should be released sometime next spring, so keep an eye out for that. Um, At some point during my interview, um, one of the questions that Graham asked uh, led me to talk about this, MBSing, and about how my own love of podcasts that started back in about 07 had really led me to getting so into them and appreciating them so much and having enough people, and by enough I mean maybe two to three people <laughs> tell me that I should start my own um, And I did, Uh, so he was intrigued by that, and after we finished interviewing, um, he was nice enough to offer to be on the show the next time he was in Chicago. And uh, I'm here to say that Graham Elwood is certainly a man of his word, Um, and a really nice, really funny guy to boot. Um, We talked about his one of his favorite film genres, and that is in... Uh, crime dramas and mobster films. He has this really unique perspective on the genre as he was kind of coming of age during a time when those movies were becoming a little more true to life in the sense that um, not all the cops were good guys and not all of the crime uh, committers, thieves, crooks, criminals, if you will, were the bad guys. There are some more gray areas that maybe filmmaking wasn't um, prepared to or really allowed to portray in the past. So it was really, really interesting to get his insight on that. I cannot wait to watch some of the movies that he recommended that I had never seen. Like Thief was one that we talked about a decent amount um, that I've definitely got to check out, and that's with uh, James Caan. Um, there. I literally found an article that outlined how Thief kind of changed, um, marked the point of change in in crime dramas uh, from that point forward. So Graham absolutely um, knows what he's talking about here. He hosts his own podcast called Comedy Film Nerds, where they do weekly reviews of movies. 
in theaters and coming out on DVD. Uh, he has co-written a book with his fellow host of comedy film nerds, Chris Mancini, and a lot of the other people who contribute to their website, including um, Jackie Cation, who's another um, comedian that I really like and really enjoy um, reading her stuff and listening to her podcasts and things of that nature. So a lot of good folks. If you like this, uh, check out that podcast and the book. Um, I know Graham would appreciate it. And I know that, uh, he really imbued this conversation with a lot of the similar things that he does imbue his own, um, podcast and material in general. Um, so thanks again to Graham. I hope you guys all enjoy this. Before I get into that, I'll do a couple of quick plugs. Uh, Saturdays at 1030 at the Annoyance Theater here in Chicago. I will be participating in Splatter Theater. I will actually be out of town this weekend, so wait until October. Saturdays at 10.30 in October, including Halloween, which is a Friday. We'll have 8 o'clock show and a 10.30 show. Come see that. Uh, more movie-related um, <laughs> material, honestly. It, it's kind of a commentary on slasher movies and um, converting that into a stage production with some humor involved. It, it's so much fun to be in. And seems, I, I enjoyed seeing it before I was in it. Seems like audiences enjoy watching it. If that strikes your fancy at all, please come check that out. Um, also at the Annoyance Theater on Tuesday nights at 9.30 in the small theater, um, participating in a show that we're calling Global Warming is a Myth. Uh, but it's just a night of improv comedy and some solo material hosted by a new group that I'm a part of called Sight Unseen. It's a lot of veteran performers that I really, really enjoy performing with. We've had two shows so far, and I'm, I'm just so excited for the rest of the run and uh, can see this being something that we continue to do uh, for a long time. But that's Tuesdays through um, the first couple Tuesdays in November, so come check that out. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, then tomorrow, September 25th, I have a show with the Nerdalogs at the Public House Theater that is being hosted by Cards Against Humanity, and we are sharing that bill with Portland comedy duo The Double Clicks. So come check that out for a lot of comedy and music and fun and Cards Against Humanity type deals. Um, speaking of the Nerdalogs, check out um, nerdalogs.com, especially of note the podcast portion. The other podcasts on the network are Your Stories, which is a recorded version of a live storytelling event that we do every month. The Nerdalogcast, which is uh, our sketch group's take on a comedy podcast that we do together. Three or four of us will get together every week. We do some characters. We talk some nerd stuff. We talk about our lives in general. Just just a lot of bits. A lot of bits. But also sometimes gets into some really um, truthful stuff, which I happen to enjoy. So I think there's a little something for everyone on the Nerdalogcast. And um, not least, Talking Games with Tim and Clayton... Uh, those guys love video games and 
cover all aspects of them. Their most recent episode is great uh, with their uh, often guest, Kellen Terrett. They talk a lot about what it means to them to be a gamer. Um, and in a time when, uh, for one reason or another, the gaming industry is kind of in an upheaval uh it was a really um, insightful conversation to hear three guys who consider themselves uh, pretty hardcore gamers um, for all intents and purposes uh, talk about how they feel about everything uh, positive and negative connotations that come along with that. Uh, so check that out. Um, and again, keep an eye out for Graham's documentary, documentary Earbuds. I'm really excited to see it. Um, he's got some great interviews already in the can, some great interviews lined up to wrap things up um, this weekend at the LA PodFest. More info about both of those things during Graham's actual interview. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy Graham Elwood. today is Graham Elwood. Hello! Yeah, he is in town for some shows up at the Zanies in Rosemont, uh, and was kind enough to come join me for an MBSing episode. MBSing for MBSing life. MBSing for life. Uh, I met Graham when he was in town in May doing uh, interviews for a documentary that he's making called Earbuds. Yes. All about podcasts and podcasting, etc. So that was kind of, that was a... Uh, that was a very, very cool experience. Yeah. You know, we're kind of in post-production we have a couple more interviews to shoot this next weekend at the la podcast festival sure i knew that was coming up yeah, yeah. that's september 26th to the 28th in los angeles um so we have a couple more interviews to shoot there kind of to wrap up some storylines but probably 90 percent of it is done that's so exciting and then we're going to deliver it to the editor and we've already been putting together the script and everything for the editor it was such a cool experience and you know when we shot a bunch of interviews in LA and then we did all along the East Coast and then came through Chicago and like the interviews we did with you and, and other people who came to the downtown Zanies. Yeah. It was such a cool it was such a cool thing because I've been doing podcasts for like five years and I helped create the LA Podcast Festival. Yeah. But I learned even more about it from listening Oh cool. To podcasters and fans about what it meant to them. Yeah. You know, it was such a cool... And then literally traveling around the country. And then we also went to Australia and Japan. Yeah. Which was, That's like... crazy. You know. I've was, never been to either place. So. Uh, I had been to Australia once before, yeah. but I'd never been to the Outback. Oh, man. Uh, we <laughs> interviewed this guy, Russell Porter, who's a an engineer for a mining company. Okay. And he drives around the Outback, basically... Which is like, no, which is nowhere. It's yeah, the middle it's of nothing. Desolate. There's nothing. There. Yeah, like the yeah. dark side of the moon has at least a coffee shop on it. Like this is this is spectacularly yeah, yeah. desolate. Um, American flags yeah, stuck in the ground somewhere. Something. There's, a, there's something. There's alien, old alien bar or something. This is unbelievable. And so he drives around and he and he emailed because when we started doing the Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. in February and all that, and he emailed me. He's like, "That was this." Feb- this of past February, 2014. Yeah. yeah it so that's great. So there might be, what, like a year turnaround from the Kickstarter? Yeah, I think we'll probably move close. Yeah, 15 months. Maybe probably. a little more than that. Yeah, I think we'll that's be done hopefully great. April, May ish. That's so exciting. So uh, it was so cool. And then going to Japan and listening to people tell us, like, 
this one woman, Sanai, who's like, I'm a Japanese housewife, and you guys at Comedy Film Nerds are mentioning me on your show. Yeah. And I, she's like, and then that when the earthquake hit, all these like comedy film nerd podcast fans reached out to her. Oh my god! On Twitter, and we're like, are I you just okay? got chills. Yeah, That's right? so cool. And so we interviewed and get this amazing interview footage from her, and she's coming to the LA Podcast oh, Festival. That's so exciting. Next weekend, and she's gonna meet these other fans. Oh. That's so and cool. And it's just like, well, yeah, we got shoot, to shoot that. Yeah. So. How could you not? It's, After all, it's like you said, closing the storyline. It is. It's just, I mean, we met her in person and it's all on camera. And, you know, it was kind of emotional that yeah. this fan from the other side of the world. Yeah. Who would, it, that's the thing. Like, podcasting is so amazing. Like, there's all these people we interviewed. A minor, a Japanese housewife. This guy's a drill instructor. You know, what would these people have in common at all? I'll tell you what they have, you know, podcasts. <laughs> Listening to people yeah. help them yeah. get through their lives by making them laugh it's... and talking about movies and other things that they Just all me. commonly enjoy. It's insane. It is. I, I, I was listening to um, an episode of Comedy Film Nerds recently, and you mentioned um, how sometimes it can feel like it's easy to see the effect that you have on uh on audiences who mm -hmm. are coming to see your shows sure. and they're laughing and you meet them after the show and it's very like one for one I'm putting this in and getting this out mm -hmm. but it's really easy to uh, be listening to um, or be recording your podcast and feel like you're doing it in a vacuum right and we're in an seeing, empty room right <laughs> yeah. talking into your laptop <laughs> yeah. like there's nothing that doesn't feel like there's anyone else around yeah and yeah. yet all these other people are listening. Uh huh. And I can I can totally relate to that on both sides of it. On mm -hmm. on the side of listening to people like you and uh, Doug Benson, who's how I became familiar with you in the first place. Um, do you know while I'm here, I, you're looking at the place that I work. Yeah. You know, it's like I listen to podcasts here when we're not doing classes. If I'm just like cleaning up or organizing or whatever, uh -huh. that's what I'm doing. Um, but then. You know, every once in a while, someone will, uh, like, send me a message on Facebook or, like, someone that I see in person and just say, like, man, I really enjoyed, you know, so-and-so's episode of your podcast. And I'm just like, what? Oh, How? other what? people what? listen to this? I'm not just... People live inside the <laughs> laptop <laughs> yeah. microphone? Like... No, we're talking to the tiny peoples of the yeah. bar with... Yeah, it's, it's so cool. It's such a unique experience. That I... There's never been anything like it. Yeah. I mean, I've done over 300 episodes of TV. Never had fans email me and these... I mean, I got one letter. I was I hosted two game shows, uh -huh. right? So I hosted this one game show called Cram, and it was on the Game Show Network. And I got one letter. It was an awesome letter from... Uh, an autistic kid, and then the mom had an accompanying letter. That's so great. And it was like, you know, my daughter watches your show, and and really, it means a lot. And I was like, wow, like who knew that? It, but one, yeah, one uh, from uh, how many episodes? Yeah, we did uh, two hundred episodes or something, or one hundred and five <laughs> or whatever of that yeah. show. And I did a few seasons. Uh, it's like, and so I mean, which was cool. And it's like, oh wow, you know, and any form of entertainment has some kind of value, but nothing mm -hmm. has been like podcast. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And just seeing, having been a stand-up comic for so long and seeing the transition of the fans in the audience, you mm -hmm. know, you know, get people, I did a show last night, it was a great show, a lot of people there just came to see comedy and that yeah. was nice, And but then there was a handful of people that listened. Who were fans. And they came out because they heard me talk about it and it's such, 
you know, they're like, that was amazing. It's, it's just, just a different interaction with That's them so after cool. the show. And, yeah, you know, of course. How could it not be? I've never seen anything like it. That's so cool. I'm so glad. I'm so happy to, like, I'm so glad I started my own. I'm so glad to still be able to be, like, supporting all the people who either, like, inspired me to do it or, you know, that just continue, that I continue to enjoy comedically and, you know, mm-hmm. via their podcasts. It's it's great. It's I love it, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. still yeah. trying to do it. So. <laughs> It's the coolest thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Graham, aside from talking to me about how cool we both think podcasting is, <laughs> <laughs> is going to be uh, talking to me about movies and uh, more specifically, probably like crime drama, uh, mobster type Yes. Movies. What's the origin of your love? Let's go with both. What's, what do you feel like is the origin of your love for movies and then more specifically for the, that genre? I think... You know, I have to give a lot of credit to my parents. Awesome. You know, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. My okay. dad was a coll- was a theater professor at the UW there. Oh, no way. That's so funny. So I grew up with, you know, my mom was a theater person. That's how they met. So these sort of hippie theater parents. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, it's the 70s, so they would take us to movies. We were way too young you to watch. You should not have seen them. Yeah. <laughs> no way should I have seen these movies. Um, <laughs> but that was like... Um, I remember being so impacted by that, by like Star Wars and... Yeah, that was prime time. Which was amazing. (laughs) And so, and my, I remember my dad specifically would take me to a lot of movies. And even to this day, when I talk to my father, he's like, what movies have you seen? Like, you always have that. Yeah. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? Um, and so that's just where my love of movies came. And I think the whole, you know, escapism of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go into this dark room and you're transported <laughs> to wherever, you know, yeah. like, and I, I just, Sky's the limit. I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. So, yeah. and then I think, you know, when I was 11, you know, my parents had gotten divorced and then we, my brother and I and my mom moved to Evanston. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a rough transition to go yeah. from you know, nice little college Especially town. all of that happening all at once. Yeah. That your parents going through the divorce, you know, move from, like yeah. it's a nice little college town in Madison yeah, up to Evanston. essentially a suburb. Yeah, but it's, you know. It's like a, a weird college suburb. College <laughs> suburb that's been integrated for a hundred years. Right. And then it's you right next to this big crazy city. Yeah. And so this is the early 80s and... Several things happen, and this this is where I got into the like the crime dramas and stuff like that. A video store opened up called Video Sonic. Okay, <laughs> um, that was right. Uh, we lived on Ridge uh-huh. and Howard Street, basically. Oh, yeah. um, so right down a ridge into Chicago, which that's I think Rogers Park. Mm-hmm. Um, this video store opened up and we got a VHS player and it was like, whoa, you can watch movies at, at, at your home. That's you know, so funny. It was so crazy. Yeah. And I, this world that And that's opened, back when VHSs cost like, what, 
It was like five bucks yeah. or it, more than that. Oh no, it was uh, the VHS player cost five hundred dollars. That's crazy. Five hundred, and it had. I remember the salesman had a perm <laughs> and a members-only jacket. I'm not making any of this up. Any of this up. It's like if that scene was written into a movie, <laughs> that's what it would look yeah, like. Exactly. <laughs> the guy with a perm and a members-only jacket. And he jacket. was like a Chicago sales guy, you know, and he was like. This one, you know, it's and he's got this. This has got stereo and hi-fi. And there was some button he kept pressing. Hi-fi. Stereo, hi-fi. Stereo, <laughs> hi-fi. And we're all listening like, I don't notice a difference. I don't notice a difference at all. And, um, but even the tapes themselves were really expensive oh, as well Oh, yeah. The point. tapes were 25 bucks yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I remember someone telling me that uh, when they were little... Their parents bought every VHS of the, like, Green Ranger saga from the Power Rangers. Because it was this, like, long, like, ten-episode story arc. And their parents spent, like, 25 bucks on each, yeah. like, for single television episodes. <laughs> they spent, like, hunt over $200 for an arc of the Power Rangers yeah. show. <laughs> That's way too much yeah. money for anyone to ever spend. <laughs> on Power Rangers. Ever. I, I, an outfit. Period. That's too much money yeah. to spend. On a, on a, Even if you looked exactly yeah. like the if Green Ranger. One they used on camera. Yeah. It's still too much money. <laughs> it's still too much money. I um, know, it's hilarious. It's so specifically of the times, though. Yeah. But just so, yeah, we got a VHS player. And it was like, and we had bought our first ever color TV. Mm-hmm. Um, because hippie parents, we had a black and white TV sure. growing up, and, yeah. and I think my mom had some, you know, single parent divorced guilt and was like, "I'll buy you a color TV." Um, and a uh, VCR. And a VCR. So I was like, "Whoa!" Thanks, mom. It was awesome. Um, and then we also got Spectravision, which was an early form of cable. Oh. Which was just a movie channel. Oh, nice. So. Then it all came together. So then you were TV. All, watching all <laughs> kinds of movies at home. Right. And my mom's working all the time, so we're unsupervised. Yeah. Uh, watching even more movies that you never had any business never watching. Had any, no, no, no real business at all. Like, I remember watching Apocalypse Now oh at, my like, God. 3 in the morning, and I'm, like, 12. Oh and it's just, like, this, you know, cutting up a bowl or, you know, yeah. like, just... Um, so also what happened then was that golden age of cinema in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And there's a great book, and I've referenced this many times on Comedy Film Road. It's called Easy Writers Raging Bulls, <sighs> which is a great book. Great title. And it, it goes into why the 70s was this magical era. Because the okay. studio system kind of collapsed late 60s. Mm-hmm. Then you had like Easy Writer in 69, the Woodstock documentary, and then that really opened up this like, Oh. filmmaker can do whatever they want. These are the things we can show on right. screen now. Because the studio system, if you were a filmmaker, you were hired and they said, okay, you're going to do a Western, you're going to do a musical, you're going to do a comedy, and you know, and that was that. Yeah. And you know, a couple people like Howard Hawks and John Ford, mm-hmm. Hitchcock, got to kind of do their thing. Sure, especially once they had established right. a name for themselves. But this... You know, I can do whatever I want. So it was, and and then in the eighties was before the giant corporations bought out the studios. Sure. So there was this sort of like wild period that was also very indicative of what was happening in America. At the yeah. Time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, America yeah. was sort of up for grabs all over the place. Yeah. And Hollywood was no different. So all these movies that came out in the seventies that I was too young to watch or wasn't born yet, mm-hmm. I then had access to them on VHS. Mm-hmm. So I started watching. Um, 
the Godfather, mm-hmm. Godfather Two, and and you know the Sting, and oh, you know Apocalypse too. Now, yeah. and all these. You know, Bonnie and Clyde, uh-huh. which was a very sort of bloody, gritty movie. Yeah, which um, is kind of like, I just, it's funny to think about that being considered as, like, bloody. Not to take anything away from Bonnie and Clyde, but when you compare it to the run-of-the-mill action-y type movie of now, it, it right. pales in comparison. Pales, pales in comparison. <laughs> but then you had... Um, you know, uh, like Sam Peckinpah and these directors doing this very sort of, and then you had like the Deer Hunter. Oh yeah, sure. Um, really, which is still, I would ooh, say, super dark and gritty, super <laughs> intense. And you had all these kind of movies like Five Easy Pieces and all this stuff. And so, um, I remember getting on this this Dustin Hoffman kick where mm-hmm. I watched like The Marathon Man. I watched Straight Time, which is a great movie. He's a released convict. And he's trying to make it on the outside. Oh, my god! And he's wrestling with, you know, going straight. Wow. And does he become a criminal? It's a great little unknown movie. It's called Straight Time. Interesting. It's awesome. It seems like something that probably would have been pretty, like, not necessarily taboo, but at the time. Well, that was the thing, too, that was happening socially, and entertainment was reflecting it. Like, one of... Uh, and another great uh, Dustin Hoffman movie is Lenny, where he plays Lenny Bruce. Oh, I, I've heard of oh. Lenny, and I still have never seen it. You it's like see I it. literally on my computer have like a one of those uh, sticky note application yeah, things yeah. on it, and it has like a bunch of comedy movies that I need to see, and one of them is Lenny. <laughs> that movie is great because it's a great depiction of Lenny Bruce and his how he was. You know, he got arrested for saying yeah. cocksucker yeah. on stage. It's crazy. You know, and then was a heroin addict and all this stuff. So I was sort of open to this whole crazy world. And also, uh, cop shows started changing. Because prior to, again, prior to the 70s, police dramas like Dragnet mm-hmm. were the cops were red, white, and blue. They, yeah. were, they were honest. Very they were pure, stand-up guys. Very stand-up no guys. No McNulty's. No, no <laughs> McNulty's. None. In the 70s where you first started seeing that. That kind of. And, you know, the first time on, on network TV you had, like, internal affairs being talked about. Wow. And crooked cops and all this stuff. But it, that's so funny that, because obviously it's like, no, there should never, uh, entertainment shouldn't be reflecting that there is any question in all of these established, mm-hmm. like, law enforcement type things. That's so interesting. So everything was being questioned. Yeah. And it was being reflected. And so then also, in the early 80s, Chicago <laughs> was a little up for grabs in terms of the mob. Oh, yeah, geez. Like, yeah. there was mob hits that were happening. There was one out in this this. Uh, my my sister, one of my sisters was dating a kid whose dad was like involved in that. No way. And we didn't like, you know, we didn't get it. We were like, we're from Wisconsin. Yeah. You know? and, I was wondering you how know. you kind of saw that or got integrated into it as someone who like was kind of a transplant. It was such a weird thing because I remember we were hanging out with this big Italian family. We mm-hmm. all went to some pizza place. And all these guys, and with the and it's wide collared shirts, the rose tinted glasses, all driving Eldorados. Oh my gosh! And I remember like, there was never a check dropped. Yeah. 
And they kept having to get off and have and go talk business in another room. Oh, man. And we didn't know any of that at all. And yeah. I remember asking uh, my sister's boyfriend's dad, like, what do you do for a living? Ah, I'm in construction. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And it was like, oh. And then it came out later, like four or five years later after they broke up, he was named in the, in the Tribune, like, top 20 and we were like, That's no way. We were like, That's so crazy. We were getting exposed to this thing. And then we were just latchkey kids. And we were just taking the train around the city uh-huh. and seeing all this. I, I got my hair cut at this, at this, in this barber salon, this Holiday Inn out in like Skokie or Morton Grove. Uh-huh. And then like three months later, there was a mob hit in the parking lot. That's crazy. And then like. So then when the movie, like, Thief came out mm-hmm. with James Caan, which is an amazing Yeah, I've never seen Thief film. either. Watch it. <laughs> okay. It's shot in Chicago. You want to know what Chicago in the 80s was like? Watch Thief. Watch Thief. And he's a professional thief. Mm-hmm. And he is trying to get out. He's the oh. best thief. He's trying to get out. And he meets this woman, and she can't have a kid, and they're trying to adopt a kid. And it's just like... What they Robert Prosky's in it, who's amazing, and like there's crooked cops. Uh-huh. There's this great scene where they pull him over, and he's like, "What are you pulling me over for?" And they're like, "You got a broken tail light." He goes, "No, I don't." And they kick his oh, tail. Oh yeah, light. classic. Yeah, 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 you do. Yeah, now you, you do. do. And it was like, it was. So did you when you saw that? You saw that as when you were like in your teens, yeah, or thirteen, probably or something like that. So you are watching that as like oh this is chicago yeah like that man that, of course you had so much of a connection there how could you not so the i mean the, I, I grew up in south carolina so those movies for me are like fried green tomatoes yes. <laughs> steel magnolias <laughs> like, uh, julia roberts drinking that juice yeah you know that's, that's, that's like that's that's like oh yeah i know what this is like the, these are the people that work at the place where my mom gets her hair done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the alderman is on the tape right. from the mom. Like. Yeah, not, not cops punching somebody's taillight yeah. out. That's so funny. And so it was like, as, you know, I had this sort of leave it to beaver upbringing in Madison, mm-hmm. and then my parents got divorced, which sort of, you know, is a is, is pitch up, in the is whole a, thing. Is an upheaval, and then we moved to Chicago, and it's Chicago's this sort of crazy up for grabs town. And at, what I would argue is one of the more tumultuous times of a kid's life. Yeah. That, like... Being 12 or 13 is... It's the worst. It is the worst. There's braces. There's acne. uh, There's just weird growing. Yeah, I was chubby and had braces, and it was terrible. I hated everything about middle school. I had a nonstop boner. I didn't even understand (laughs) why. It was insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, you know, then like the black guys want to kick my ass. Right. So I didn't know why. And you, again, you didn't know why. I didn't know why. I'm like, we're supposed to get along. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, and so I just gravitated because I was also kind of firsthand seeing the gritty underbelly yeah. of Chicago. Especially, like you said, uh, being able to just take the train or bus mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, like... Fucking middle of nowhere south. I stayed at home and played in my neighborhood outside yeah. in the creek with my friends. Right. But like, uh, there was nothing like that. There's no opportunity for me to have seen anything 
by, on my own like that. So. We moved here, and we like my brother and I like baseball, so we're going to take, oh, there's two baseball teams, yeah. so we'll take the train to take Comiskey. Take the red line down to both really easily. To Comiskey. Yeah. Like, we're like, ding dong, go to a night game, you know, just like, <laughs> wow, you know? That's crazy. And just, um, you know, and seeing that, seeing guys get into fights on mm-hmm. the train, and, and dudes trying to grift you with yeah. three card money. Yeah. Yeah. All that, that shit. That shit still happens. Of course, that shit still happens. And you're 13. I've seen some of the worst things I've ever seen on yeah, the red line. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Just like crazy, crazy stuff. And while one of my sisters is dating a mob kid. You yeah. know what I mean? And you're just like... And, and oh, hearing... Man. You know, and seeing Chicago cops, you know, yeah. just like, shut the fuck up. You yeah. know? And you're like, they didn't say that in Wisconsin. <laughs> you know? Um, but they're not making any attempt to, you know, have earmuffs for kids around no. or anything like that. Nope. <laughs> like, welcome to Chicago, kid. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, suck it. Don't be an <laughs> asshole. You know, like I then, you know, and as I got older, so then I just, I just gravitated to these movies and mm-hmm. seeing, you know, you know, people talking about learning for the first time that street gangs were just drug distributors. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. And didn't really know that. Yeah. You know, now it's sort of common knowledge. Right. But yeah. in the eighties it wasn't. It, it certainly was... wasn't common knowledge for a twelve, thirteen year old. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I remember talking to an Evanston cop and he goes, Oh no, no, this gang controls this name of this these drugs and this and this and I was just like Oh my God. Where are they getting it from? And he just smiled at me and he goes <laughs> <laughs> Kind of almost like, don't ask too many questions. Yeah, <laughs> no, you know, go like, home, kid. <laughs> yeah. It's not being grown in the hood. Right. So someone's it's giving it to them. Get here somehow. Yeah. Um, and seeing that and seeing cops on the take and see, seeing all of that. So any movie that dealt with that, mm-hmm. I really loved. And I love those scenes. Uh, there's a great scene in, in Thief. Mm-hmm. Where he's trying to, uh, he's telling his girlfriend, and she's she's like, I thought you were, she's kind of naive, and he's like, he goes, I trade in new cars like guys do their pants. I wear, you know, he's like, I wear two hundred dollar boots. I was, yeah. what do you think? You honestly, you know? And yeah. she was like, what do you mean? You know, it's just great talk. It's like that talk in, in um, Godfather Two, where the senator. Um, says comes to Michael Corleone at the beginning of the movie they're in the, the Lake Tahoe uh-huh. and the senator comes in and says you know I don't like you yeah, you yeah crazy yeah, yeah. Italians hanging around and he goes senator let's cut the crap you run a racket and I run a racket mm-hmm. you know what I mean? like, don't <laughs> yeah. act like because you're a politician you're a you, state of care you're a crook yeah just like me yeah cut the shit the difference is I don't hide behind you know the, the constitution office, right? or whatever right and I just always, it's, I love that, you know, and, and, um. How do you, which, uh, which one do you like more? Godfather or Godfather 2? Oh, man, that's hard to say. (laughs) That's really hard. That's really hard to say. I I mean, honestly, The Godfather is, is an amazing movie. It's seamless. Yeah. And Godfather 2 is maybe the best sequel ever. Yeah, I, I. Can't argue with that. And Godfather 3 is, you know, Beverly Hills 90210 goes to Palermo. Um, I don't even think I've ever seen Godfather don't, 3. You don't need to. That's it's the impression okay. that I always got. It's like I've never seen Godfather 3. There's another uh, third of a series that I've just never seen. That most people have because they were anticipating right. it because there was still all this steam at the time. They're like, like the, no. The Matrix 3, I don't think I oh, ever yeah. saw. Oh, yeah. No, me neither. There's no reason to. No. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I, I got into those movies and, and then I wrote in the, we have a book, Comedy Film Nerds, we have this book, the, the Comedy Film Nerd Guide to Movies, and mm-hmm. I wrote four of the chapters, and one of them is the Cops and Robbers chapter. And oh, I, cool. And I go into this, and I made the analogy that Evanston is like Robert Duvall in The Godfather. He's like Tom Hagen. Oh, like, I can see that. Not completely mobbed up, yeah. but not Lily White, like right. Lynette or Winnetka. Or sure. Other things, yeah, you know anything I mean? kind of like in between. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, <laughs> you know. It's, that's so funny. Yeah, I can totally see that. And that was sort of my experience in that It's kind of, it's like Chicago Light. It is. It is Chicago Light. You know, it's not, you know, it's not Kenilworth. You're not totally out of the woods. You're not totally out of the woods at all, no, <laughs> But man. you're also not by Comiskey. Yeah, you're not by Comiskey either. <laughs> so... It was, and then I remember, you know, I, I, when I graduated college, I went to University of Arizona, and then I moved back here and started doing stand-up and stuff full-time. And okay. One of the places I lived in was in Logan Square, and my yeah. landlord was a cop, was a Chicago cop. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I remember walking up the back of the stairs, you know, typical two-story with mm-hmm. exposed back right. staircase, yeah. and he's peering out his window, big, big Italian dude, and... uh and I'm looking, and I go, hey, Phil. And he goes, oh, hey, Graham, that was you. I was about to blast you with my 38. I was like, go. Oh, Jesus thanks. Christ. Thank you. I almost took two in the head. Thanks like, for your security. Yeah. <laughs> but all, also, I live here. Right. And just all that. He had knew everybody in the neighborhood right. and all this, you know. Oh, my gosh. It was. That's crazy. It was crazy, crazy and that, times. Yeah, and that wasn't even. Like that long ago in the no. grand scheme of things. That was in the 90s. Yeah. I remember when they were trying to get, when I lived here in the 90s, they were trying to get a casino downtown. Oh, my gosh. And there was a woman on the train, and she had a casino, like a line through the casino. <laughs> and I said, and I asked her, and I, or no, my buddy asked her, he goes, why do you, why are, are you opposed? It? And she goes, I just don't want the mob to get into Chicago. And I to fell, get fell, fell out of my chair. I fell out of my chair laughing. I was like, ma'am. You know why the first ward alderman said, I, if we do allow casinos, there can't be any sports book betting? It's because all the sports books are in the first are ward. Are already. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, he's like, That's that so would cut funny. into my constituents' business. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I like, want the, the mob to get into to get Chicago. In. Uh, have you opened a history book? Like, the city is built on on the the skeletons of dead mobsters. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a contributing factor to why it's called the Windy City. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the politicians were right. full of shit yeah. trying to cover for how much money they were yeah. getting from the mobs. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Among other things they yeah. were trying to cover, yeah. but... <laughs> they did a study, I think, I can't remember, like someone told me about five, six years ago about Chicago, and they said if they if you eliminated graft, like corruption, the city couldn't function. Like wow. it would shut down. Like literally... That's crazy. The infrastructure of the city so is just... tied into it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. The, the, the thing that's getting a lot of press right now is uh, because they're doing all these renovations to Wrigley. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to end up tearing out a lot of the buildings and stuff in the surrounding areas to put in, like, strip mall-type places and hotels right. and stuff like that. Things that the, the team kind of needs to be able to right. make the kind of money that they should be making as a franchise. Uh, they've been bailing water and getting crappy players for right. years and years right. because no one wants to play in their facilities. Yeah, it's historically 
incredible. Right. Essentially one of a kind, except for maybe Fenway. But there's no, it's, it, there are no other parks like that with just like nothing around it. I mean, all the residents of Wrigleyville are, they like being able to pay or get 30 bucks a parking spot right. when, yeah. on game days. But at the same time, it's like, and with that, so much of it is wrapped up with like the aldermen oh, and yeah. the rooftop deals that I don't know how much you know about yeah. that, but like, um, the team isn't getting nearly enough of the money from the rooftop tickets that are outside of Wrigley uh, because all of the people who run the rooftops are, you know, just have, they have the upper hands. They right. are getting more of the revenue and stuff. So that franchise is just, it, I, I think that all of this renovation will be good for the team in the long run, but it's going to take a while. It's for anything take to get so much straightened out, because oh, there's and then of course there's people who are like, no, it's it's a history. It's been there a hundred years. Why could you? How could you do anything to it? It's like, well, it's also why we haven't won. Yeah, right. Hundred years. <laughs> yeah. years of not winning. It's like I love the Cubs. I, I mean, I'm a Braves fan first, sure. but I'm a Cubs fan second, and I like going to Wrigley and I enjoy all of that. But it's. It's just not going to happen if it nope if there isn't turnover. No, I mean you don't want to level it and put some big multiplex out no. in the burbs, but no, you are you know you look at all these teams that are successful with new stadium and stadium deals and yeah. and they build new stadiums and they keep the classic charm of old stadiums mm-hmm. with new facilities and you're just like the yeah. Cubs, man. And they're not selling out ever like they no. used to. They used to just, oh, we'll sell out because it's Wrigley. No. Day baseball. No. Nope. I can walk up and get tickets for pretty much any game. Yeah. You, yeah. There's people selling season tickets for half price. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You know, because, mm-hmm. like, name, who's on, like, who do they yeah. have on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they don't have a Pujols or anybody and like. they've lost the guys who were right. those names in the last few, Starling Castro. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, even smaller like you know n- names that are big in the baseball world but not necessarily right. the world outside of that and they've lost a lot of those guys too yeah. so it's yeah. hard to <laughs> that's chicago yeah i uh the friendly confines <laughs> yeah it's i mean i think ultimately they'll get it done because i remember again in the 90s everyone was complaining about soldier field mm. and mayor daly it was so clear if the Bears move out of Chicago, he is done. Like, oh. he, it was clear. Like, he just knew that I don't... Stick fork. I will not get reelected. Wow. I'll be the guy that let the Bears leave. Oh, my gosh. they will have lynchings. Even if it was, like, to a suburb or just, like, completely moving the franchise to well, another city? There was talk about moving them to Indiana. There was talk about moving them, you know, all these cities in the south oh, or whatever. Boy. And even just the suburbs, people yeah. were like, if you no. do that, man, if you do that... <laughs> And it was just like, so he was like, I don't know what. Over my dead body. Yeah, he said, over a lot of dead bodies. (laughs) I think Mayor Daly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That guy was a. Speaking of uh, Chicago. He learned how to run the city. Dicey politicians. Look who his dad was. That's that's where he learned how to be a mayor. Mayor Daly. (laughs) Night sticking his way through the 68 convention. That was uh, vote early and often. That was that guy. That was his dad. Uh, there's this great, when I first moved to Chicago, the first Second City review I saw was right after um, Emmanuel had been elected, 
and uh, Tim Robinson, who went on to, he was an SNL cast member for a while, but mm-hmm. now he's a writer, um, who I think is one of the funniest people I've ever seen in in live performance. Mm-hmm. And I loved him when he was a cast member, too. I'm sure he's writing great stuff now. But uh, he played Mayor Daly in this song they wrote that was like, uh, uh, I remember the chorus so vividly. It was like, oh, Mayor Daly, how will we survive? And it was just like all very tongue-in-cheek about how like... And then the, the very end of the song was like, and he used to get mad for no fucking reason. <laughs> he was unbelievable. The shit that he pulled when he just started jackhammering that runway. Oh, yeah. Midfield, yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Ah, we don't, we don't, nah, I don't want it. Man, there, there was something that, like uh, a cougar got out of the like... Uh, Lincoln Park Zoo, right. and he and he like had it ordered to be shot or something yeah. like that. That was a big controversy that happened right before he, he was, was out of office. Guy, he was in office for twenty five years or whatever. <laughs> like, unbelievable. Uh, um, so uh, we, you mentioned Thief specifically as uh-huh. something that was mm-hmm. Chicago based that you really saw and were like, oh wow, mm-hmm. that's down the street. Were there any other movies or shows that really stuck out as that? Well, there was um, there was the TV show Crime Story, which was about Chicago in the late fifties and sixties. Wow, um, and that I've never was even a, heard of it. Dennis Farina's in it. Um, <laughs> sure, it's like his break. It was his breakthrough thing. Okay, uh, it was really cool. Um, view into Chicago with that era um, and uh, also then I mean the Blues Brothers movie what I know oh. it was a comedy but that was like first that was an event when they shot it here yeah of course and also it had all these it, it had some commentary in it about what was going on in Chicago yeah. at the time the, um, the scene where they're uh, they're stuck and they're like and they're like, hey, officer, what's going on? Fucking Nazis won their court case. <laughs> and, and he goes, I hate Illinois Nazis. Well, that was because the Nazis were trying to, neo-Nazis were trying to march in Skokie, which is a heavy, heavy Jewish populated suburb. Jesus. And for anyone listening who doesn't live in the yeah, city, yeah, yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, you go up towards Skokie and it's like all the jewels have a specific like kosher yep. section. It's yeah. all kosher sections. Um, and they wanted to protest in Evanston. And, you know, Evanston is 40% minority. And there was, like, riots. And they were going to try to protest in Skokie. And, and it was a whole thing. They actually made a made-for-TV movie called Skokie where Danny Kay played a Holocaust survivor. Because there was no since the 80s. So there was Holocaust survivors living in Skokie. Oh and the neo-Nazis God. were trying to protest. And so... And... So the city of Skokie, I forget all the particulars, but like the city uh-huh. of Skokie was like, you can't do it. So they're like, well, it's our constitutional right. The, the lawyer defending the Nazis was Jewish. Oh, my God. Received death threats. So it was, it was another like Chicago's up for grabs oh thing. Oh, my God. So the Blues Brothers was Word. basically like, well, fuck these guys. We're going to make fun of them. That's so like, funny. Like it was, it, was, it, was, it was such a hilarious thing. Yeah. 
And the way they depict, they depict them as idiots. Uh-huh. And I fucking hate Illinois Nazis. Runs them off the bridge, <laughs> you know. And then when they're the Nazis are in the when they get launched in the car from the one of the bridges, and they're uh-huh. clearly going to die. And the younger one says to the older one, "I've always loved you." It was so, That's so great. I, there's this deeper commentary on shit that was actually that was going actually on. happening. Oh my god, I had no idea. Oh yeah, it's 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 um, that movie. Uh, and then all of the old blues singers. I saw an interview with John Landis at a film festival, and, and and he said, you know, people always ask me, God, how'd you get John Lee Hooker and Aretha Franklin? He goes, uh, I asked them. Cab <laughs> 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 Calloway goes, they all like to work, That's so amazing. they all put them in a movie. Yeah, um, you know, and it's that film when you know that about it, uh-huh. uh huh, that it's putting all of this blues. Basically, it's just a. It's like a love letter to to blues, specifically yeah. Chicago blues. Yeah, you know Ray Charles and all this stuff, and then they put that that Nazi joke in there. I mean, it's just and two of the best comedians to ever come out of Chicago. I know. At the time, I mean, literally, those guys put Second City on the map. Absolutely, they put Chicago on the map for. Oh, this is a comedy. This town. is where. Yeah, they almost. I mean, those guys and their like contemporaries. Contemporaries. Yeah. Dan yeah. Ackle, yeah. Or, yeah or, um, Belushi, yeah. um, Bill Murray, Gilda mm-hmm. Radner, all those people, yeah, John gonna, Candy. I was thinking of Gilda Radner, too. And a little bit of the, like, uh, Second City, um, Toronto-type mm-hmm. uh, crew as well. But at the same time, like, that group of people put made it Chicago comedy. When I graduated college and moved back to Chicago, I mean, I joined, I took classes at Second City because they did. Yeah, of course. And their pictures are on the There's wall. There's still people who do. Of course. You know, it's and like, they like... take classes at Second City because they did. They take classes at... I O because mm-hmm. you know they know Tina Fey and yep. Amy Poehler and uh, Mike Myers and Chris Farley did right. and stuff like that. You know it happens. It still so, happens. It was such a. It was so that's that movie was another like Chicago film that really gra- uh, gravitated to me. And sure, then, um, that makes a lot of sense. There was also. Um, God, I think it's called a John Belushi movie, Continental Divide. I've heard of Continental Divide. Yeah, he plays a uh, reporter. And for I think the either the Tribune or the Sun Times, it was mm-hmm. one of those two papers, mm-hmm. and meets this woman and all this stuff like that, and it's a very heavy Chicago themed uh, comedy, uh-huh. but still um, has those right, right. moments of truth. It, yeah, it does have those moments <laughs> of truth in there, you know. And yeah. then and then like any, you know, any of the mob th- films, they didn't always have to be Chicago, but then you know when you had in the eighties, well, you had the Untouchables. Sure, that was great. Um, and again, uh, you know, this is a city where Al Capone's from, Yeah. you know, like this had the St. Valentine's Day massacre that uh-huh. happened here. Uh-huh. Um, you could still see, especially, I don't know what stop specifically is in this area, but you'll see it all the time that it's, I think they even call it the like Al Capone yeah, yeah, yeah. tour. It's just like a big black bus mm-hmm. that has mobsters faces in the windows and stuff yeah. it's just one of those du- it's like a ghost tour you it know is, yeah. but you can do it in chicago with just places yeah. that are mob related <laughs> yes. this is where mob guys killed each yeah, other yeah yeah <laughs> like and murdered it's great yep 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 every once in a while uh my boss is really familiar with the area so he'll uh point out like oh yeah i mean this place is like it's a liar's office, but I'm pretty sure there's some shady shit going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. It's a social club. Yeah, right. There's a, a sandwich place up the street that makes this incredible Italian subs. They get all these, like, 
in, amazingly fresh uh, Italian ingredients, mm-hmm. and they do they have like a little um, like deli as well where you can buy stuff by the pound. And he was so he was like, oh, I'm absolutely positive mm-hmm. that like if you look at the pictures on the wall of like the guys who used to run the place because it's been there for right. decades. They were absolutely monsters. <laughs> they were just like, we're that, you know, your uh, girlfriend's dad. So, yeah. yeah, I do construction. Yeah. You know, those guys were like, yeah, we run a deli. Yeah, sandwich joint. <laughs> oh. so, come on, get a sandwich. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I seem like you do a lot of cash. A lot of cash business over there. Um, yeah, but then then all those movies, then there were some movies that, that – um, Prince of the City, these were um, – that were shot in New York. Mm-hmm. Prince of the City um, is – based on a true story about a um, a cop that like went undercover and it, that's a true story that that's an excellent film Prince of the City Prince of the City um, let me get if I can get my IMDB app <laughs> go um, for it it was that was again another one of those movies and then you had um, you had um, oh, I'm blanking on it now this is the worst <laughs> Um, no worries. All the oh, you had then Dog Day Afternoon. Oh sure, of course. Which is just like Charles Durning plays the cop. Like it's just everything. Um, the thing that I loved about that era of movies of the seventies and 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 early eighties was everything was gritty uh-huh. and broken. And fucked up, uh-huh. and no one, you know what I mean? No one, you couldn't, could you trust him? Could you not? There was, you know, and then you had movies like um, The Verdict, uh-huh. uh, which is just, you know, and Justice for All. You had all these movies about corrupt um, stuff, and the law, it was brutal. I mean, mm-hmm. even then, and then getting into the kind of global conspiracies of like, um, Three Days of the Condor, mm-hmm. um, uh, All the President's Men, like that's yeah. I knew there was one that I was trying to think of, and that was exactly it. Um, and I would say that's still considered. I I think that's more of a classic than it really is uh, uh, touted as one. Um, specifically, All the President's Men. You're looking up. Prince yes. of the City. Prince of the City, 1981, with Treat Williams. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a New York narcotics detective. Um, so he, oh yeah, he's a he's a narcotics detective that goes undercover to to reveal police corruption, and oh, it's based on a real guy. No way. And what he had to do, and all was, in New York. All in New York, and it was just like it's brutal, and he's one of these like. You know, everyone was corrupt, and you know he had to turn on his friends. Yeah, I mean, you got all that stuff, and then you've got like Serpico. Yeah, you know, like these are kind of actual events, and uh, they're just, you know, New York was also up for grabs in the eighties, man, uh-huh. up for grabs. Yeah, and so you just had all these films reflecting this. Uh huh. You know, that was just, uh, it was just brutal. Yeah. You know, man, it's just a, it just an, and the thing was again, it was the first time that there was this gray area. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good guys and bad guys. It was like everyone was kind of corrupt because oh, America yeah. had been, you know, lied to. You know, sure. Vietnam and all this stuff, the, yeah, civil rights, man. it all just Watergate. It all just 
it just, you never knew what to believe as word. Couldn't believe anybody. And I, this is, a, again, a time in your life when it's yeah. like, you are the most yeah. impressionable. Uh, impressionable. That's couldn't exactly believe my parents, couldn't believe any adult. Oh, no. Like everything was just a, a filthy, scam-filled oh, lie. Oh my gosh, that that's was, so funny. It was it was really... I'm glad you came out on the other side as a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I had no other, or that, I'll either that or join the mob. Yeah. <laughs> either make people laugh or yeah. kill them so you don't get killed. Exactly. Yeah, or just be a, you know, run a grift. Uh, but yeah, I actually, it was funny, I did kind of dabble in, you know, some illegal activities and, and you know, there was an allure of that. Interesting. And, you know, being sort of an unsupervised kid mm-hmm. and in this crazy city yeah. and, and, you know, and then I started actually playing football. That's what sports got me really yeah yeah that's so funny when you were in high school uh, well actually eighth grade i started i played uh, pop warner Mm -hmm. with the chicago high ridge chargers and it was run by chicago cops as kind of a keep kids off the street thing oh that's so funny so you know evanston a lot of people in evanston are you know college educated professionals Mm -hmm. but then i was playing with these like blue collar kids and and these cops we would go to away games in in a cop bus you know, so that they would like transport convicts. In. Yeah, that's how we showed up for games. <laughs> that's crazy. And we were it's just like the like, longest yard. It was it totally was. It was like thirteen year old longest yard. And so you know, I was so exposed funny. to kids who were like. And then football became your anti drug. That was it. Was yeah, that's what it was. That's so funny, uh, but yeah. So you're you're exposed to a bunch of kids who didn't live in towns that were mostly made up of people with degrees. No, no, it wasn't just like, oh, you're going to a good college. That wasn't just assumed. Yeah. It was like, try not to fail out of high school. Oh, right. Sure. Like, yeah, get yeah. your high school degree and then get a job in a factory. Or I feel like I remember you talking before as well about um, how in the Evanston area, it was just like understood that everyone that you, all of your contemporaries were like, no, you're all going to go to school on the East Coast. You're all going to go yeah, to these yeah, super yeah, yeah. nice colleges on the East Coast and yep. uh, nothing west of the Mississippi. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had several people I went to high school with whose parents were like, you can't go to school in California. That's crazy. They go out there and they're getting crazy ideas yeah. and smoking weed. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn hippies. Yeah, yoga and whatever. <laughs> kind of almond milk nonsense they got out there. You know what I mean? Which is funny. What is an avocado? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, I. That's that was such a thing in Evanston. Mm-hmm. The North Shore was so much like good college, good mm-hmm. college, good college, and then playing football in the eighth grade with these guys that were just like, you know, trying to finish high school. Yeah, get, go to the, join the fire department. Yeah, sure. You know, like, that would have been a big. Yeah, that's like I mean, I my hometown. Uh, uh, my dad for a long time, for like ten years worked in this program that was uh, helping at-risk youths get um, GEDs and teaching them, like, vocational skills. So, as you know, along these are, like, the kids who didn't make it through high school trying to... And he's like, it was the most thankless job because it was all these people who had no, like, outside influence trying to get them to finish school. It was all just... Uh, well, I guess this is what I have to do. It was like one in twenty success rate kind of thing, and uh, but yeah. So, but before that, uh, while I was still in high school, my dad had like a very short temper mm-hmm. and was very like 
uh, kind of took for granted that my brother and I were both good students, went to a good school, etc. And then he, you know, spent 10 years doing this and his patience level is completely different and his like appreciation for you know the kids he raised that he's just like yeah somehow they turned out great at him (laughs) that's not true he's great he was a great dad but like it's so funny to you know kind of live in that bubble pocket and then look just barely outside of it I mean these are Mm -hmm. my dad still lived my parents still live in the town I grew up in like I had a completely different uh experience in that town than those kids did so i remember at the awards banquet for you know i'm in the eighth grade for the for the pop warner Mm -hmm. so my first football season the awards banquet Mm -hmm. one of the awards was like i forget what the name it was but it was just like you know it's like the walter payton award they give in the nfl for the the guy in the team who's like above and beyond sure and it was dedicated like to... Like the Coaches Award or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just playing. It was like grades and community help and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. And it was dedicated and one of the coaches told the story of the... It was, it was named after this kid who... He told this lengthy story of he was a good guy and helped everybody and intervened in a street fight and got killed. Oh my gosh. You know, trying to save somebody... And it was dedicated. Cuscio. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like he told the story, and everyone's like in tears, and yeah. you're just like, "How could you not be?" Oh, this is what this this is That's real. That's a real thing. This is a real thing. Yeah. This isn't. This yeah. isn't Lily White suburbs. This is like hardcore city shit. Do you think that? How do you feel like all of that entertainment that you really loved, and uh, kind of finding out more about the city that you lived in via that and via like. Um, going around town latchkey kid style uh do you feel like that had a big effect on like your tendency towards like you said you kind of got into some shadier stuff like do you think there was like oh I'm gonna you know be like well I think because like I said I was sort of raised in this very you know Pleasantville mm-hmm. type environment and then saw like behind the curtain mm-hmm that then it was i think comedy i gravitated to comedy because it was like i couldn't do regular job <laughs> i couldn't do 9 to 5 i just couldn't it, sure. it couldn't and i wanted to get to the i wanted to see the underbelly oh interesting like i remember and i think a lot of comics kind of have that you know you go on the road and and you know, you want to go to the crazy club and the, yeah. see the shifty sort of, right. like you have this sort of, let's go to the fucked up place, you right. know, and let's go to the dive bar. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you don't necessarily want to see the, no. the what the tourists go. No, I don't want to go to the tourists go. I don't want to see people drinking apple teenies. I want like, you know, bush light just on tap and just like those, that weird jar of pickles or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, pickle bag shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like. Are there shitty Chicago dives that you still love? Oh, God. We used to go to the, I think it's still there. I used to live right near Friar Tucks. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. I love Friar Tucks. Oh, man. Yeah, that place is great. Fireplace, and there's always some old rummy at the end of the bar. Uh Yeah, Friar Tucks is great. I love Tucks. I used to live right, I used to live Belmont Broadway. No way. 510 West Belmont. I live at uh, Belmont Southport. Okay. So just west of there. It was, it was like, yeah, and I remember when I moved to L.A., I lived in North Hollywood, which is the valley, and we would seek out dive bars in the valley. Yeah, we just loved them. Loved them. We just didn't... I didn't want it nice. You couldn't, 
Yeah. I didn't want any country club. You couldn't leave that. Uh, I didn't want it. Tendency. I just yeah, couldn't because yeah. it all felt fake to me. Because sure. I was a caddy at Evanston Country Club when I was thirteen. Oh my gosh! And saw the way like rich white people were. Oh my gosh! And that like yeah, that'll do it. And I was just like, <laughs> that'll drive you away from nope, it. Nope. Nope. Because it was like the thing of like I fit in everywhere and nowhere. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, because you didn't really feel akin to the kind of people who are like, yes, I'm going to go to one of these East Coast colleges. wasn't an East Coast guy. I wasn't a mob kid. Mm-hmm. You weren't really uh, you know, on the same page as the kids you were playing football with no. or anything. I wasn't a street kid because my, wow. par- my dad was a college professor. Yeah. But, I, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I can, I, can, I can operate in all these. And I still feel that way. I was going to say, I think that's probably, I think that's a great... Um, I don't know if skill is the right word for it, but like tendency to have as someone uh, in your uh, situation as a comedian. It's like, you know, you know how to interact with other comedians. You know how to interact with fans. You know mm-hmm. how to interact with like, you might be, uh, you know, with some like higher ups sure. that you have to put on. And there's people who are, do comedy who don't really have that, who, right. who are, who know how to be with one group of people and even audience-wise, I think, like, I know there are people, I have friends who I would consider some of the funniest people in Chicago who it took them a really long time. Just now, are they getting hired in, like, small ways by Second City? Because it was like, oh, no, they're, you're too for the comedy crowd. Like, right. the comedy crowd loves you, but a cruise ship audience won't. Yeah. So I think that's that's a valuable thing to be able to do is know who you are and fit into all those different uh, places, even though it is, puts you in a weird position. It is a weird position, because you, you know, and still my life's that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I started surfing. Yeah, you right. Know? So I've been surfing for seven, eight years. I'm a surfer. Uh-huh. But the like guys who grew up in California have been surfing their whole life. I don't fit in with That's them. That's not you. Yeah. I'm not one of them, mm-hmm. you know, and... I love coming back to Chicago, but I'm mm. kind of a Californian now. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm a vegetarian. Like, I do yoga. I'm gluten free. Yeah, gluten free. I surf. You're like, all right. Back to the almond milk. Yeah, back to the almond milk. <laughs> Yet I still like watching the bears. Like, I don't know. It's a weird, yeah. it's a weird dichotomy. But I've always, I, that's where I've always been. I've that's always great. sort of floated around in all these different worlds. And I think it helps as a comedian to be able to relate to a lot of different things in different ways too, though. Which is kind of a good uh, place to uh, put in my wrap-up question. Wrap-up question! (laughs) How do you feel like your love of uh, movies and crime drama, mob-type movies in general has influenced your life creatively, specifically, and uh, your life in general? I know these are things we've kind of talked Mm -hmm. about a decent Mm -hmm. amount, but tie that ribbon on. Well, I think, um, you know... The love of movies. I mean, obviously. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's. it's, it's I, I love it so much that, that you know it's why myself and my friend Chris Mancini started Comedy Film Nerds because mm-hmm. we were both stand-up comics who went to film school and have made movies and just love them. We love talking about them, and so I'm I'm sort of kind of to put a bow on you know wrapping up from where we started this conversation at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Why I love this digital podcast era, mm-hmm. you can do it. Mm-hmm. I, I can 
have a podcast where I want to talk about movies every week. Yeah. And do stand-up comedy. Yeah. And, you know, raise money on Kickstarter, do a documentary, because I love documentaries. I've made one. It's my second it's one. It's like the... the uh Blend of both the of best of, of both worlds of all these podcasting worlds. and comedy and filmmaking. Yeah, I can do all of it. Yeah, you know, and so I sort of can, you know, live this, you know, kind of, I guess, dream life of doing all the things <laughs> I want to do. Yeah. you know, like, and I mean, I think like as much as I, I'd love to be on a sitcom. Sure, sure. I love that kind of money. But then I see some of them and I go. Oh, that's Man, gotta be soul sucking. Wow, creatively, that's not, you know. And I don't, I don't leave the stage or a podcast and go. Oof, I had to. Do. No one's giving me notes. No one's telling yeah. me what I have to say. So I love that. And nobody. And you know, again, we raised 140 grand on Kickstarter. So there's that's no awesome. investors to pay back. Yeah, yeah. There's no one saying, "Oh, you got to edit this, or you got to put my girlfriend in it, or whatever." You know, You're it's just, just like reading things on the podcast and sending people the movie yeah. when it's done and stuff like that. We're gonna make the movie we want to make. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of people are gonna like it, but we don't have to. At I mean, the same time, you're not answering to anyone. I'm answering to the 1,600 people that donated. Right. I'm answering to them that I'm gonna make a good movie. Yeah. That they invested in. Yeah. Not, but I don't. They're not giving me notes. <laughs> right. You know right. What I'm right. So it's it's. They're not like more of those outback shots, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a really it's a really cool it's a cool thing. That's where mm-hmm. I think all of these things kind of relate. Is mm-hmm. it sort of this? I, it's it's such a cool place to kind of. I'm at the cutting edge of this thing with mm-hmm. podcasting and everything, and to feel like this culmination of 20 years professionally and, you know, well into my childhood, all these, it's all sort of falling into place. Like everything I've ever done is being utilized. That's so great. Which is really... That's so exciting. um, Yeah. What an exciting place to be. Yeah, that's cool. I'm happy. And now you get to do more comedy for people tonight. Yeah! (laughs) Two shows tonight, Zadies. Well, when this drops, yeah, if anyone wants to, they can, they can... If they're going to be in L.A., the L.A. Podcast Festival, September 26th through the 28th. Um, and anyone who can't make it, we're doing a new thing this year. We're going to live video stream all 35 shows. Cool. And five um, panels. So 40 things. Uh, That's if, so awesome. If you go to LAPodFest.com slash live, it's $25 for the whole weekend. But if you use coupon code NERD, N-E-R-D, it's 20 bucks. So you save 20% right there. So use coupon code NERD, go to LAPodFest.com slash live, and you can watch the entire festival. That's so cool. Yeah. Are they going to be um, archived? Or... Yeah. For, That's For so three weeks cool. after, your, your, your $20 will get you access to all of the shows for three weeks after. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Uh, I will definitely... Yeah, like I said, this will go Wednesday, so cool. be up in plenty of time for people to take advantage of that. Nice. Graham, thank you so much sure. for doing this. This was so much fun. Uh, and uh, I'm so glad that you took uh, you know some time out of your day in Chicago to sit with me and chat. No worries. And I really enjoyed uh, doing the um, interviews for. Oh yeah, it's earbuds. it's been so watching all the footage all summer and getting it ready for the editor has been really cool because you know we finally a couple weeks ago I started to write up like what the outline was going to be and yeah. how it's going to play and I was like oh man and then I showed it to Chris and yeah. he made some notes and we were both like dude getting so it's starting be, to feel yeah. concrete yeah it's not yeah. just like hundreds of hours of footage and we're like what are we going to 
<laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it, it's, it's very, we're very excited about it. That's so cool. Uh, the way I end every podcast is that I say, Graham, I love you, and I mean that. <laughs> thank he you. He laughs, but it's true. I thank you. I love you. <laughs> This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.